Welcome, Nexus Church family online to our series that's titled, And. Pretty simple, just the symbol, and. If you're wondering what that means, it refers back to a passage where the Holy Spirit is available. The Holy Spirit is available to you to encounter the power of God. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be discovering what does that look like for you in your personal life. How you talk to other people, how you relate to God, your identity, how you experience supernatural gifts. What are they and is it scary? And then, of course, the Holy Spirit and prayer, how it unlocks your connection with God. So we encourage you to follow along with us as we investigate what is the Holy Spirit in your personal life. It has so much power available to you. If you have any questions or comments or if you want to learn more about us you can go to nexuschurchmn.com or you can email us at nexuschurchmn at gmail.com you can go to our facebook page our instagram page youtube page however we can connect with you and help you connect in your walk with jesus enjoy today's message Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to another week in our series. And this week, we're talking about the Holy Spirit and prayer. Now, I'm guessing that for many of you, when it comes to praying, you think you got a good understanding of it. And so today, we're not going to look at the details, the the really basic fundamentals of prayer. We're going to add in the thought of what is prayer. Prayer and the Holy Spirit all about. Now, we will lay down the groundwork of some important things in prayer in general, but let's talk about today the Holy Spirit's part in prayer. Now, I'm guessing for many of you today, if you, uh, if I was to ask you about prayer, you would say, yeah, I, I do it. Probably not as much as I would like to. Now, the beautiful thing about prayer is it doesn't matter how often you do it or what length of time you do it for. The thing is, is God longs to have conversation with you. Now, I'm sure many of you know what it's like to have a a dropped phone call, right? I'll never forget when I first moved up to northwest Minnesota, and we were from central Minnesota, and when we drove up to the long, long drive to the northwest part of our state. I'll never forget how we had a cell phone carrier that was really popular in central Minnesota, but when we moved up to this very vast territory known as northwest Minnesota, where there's not a whole lot of people living, (laughs) Um, we noticed something. When we would turn on our phones, there would be absolutely no reception. Now, we had gone past the days of the little emblem in the top left corner saying roaming. Like, it just had nothing. (laughs) It was totally blank. We had zero 
cell phone reception. So we had to, when we moved up to Northwest Minnesota, we had to change carriers because that particular carrier was not able to be utilized up here at that time. That's the difference between our conversations to people and to God. Like our, our time is in conversations is limited with people, right? It could be distance. It could be cell phone coverage. It could be so many different things that limit us in our ability to talk with others. But with God, it's unlimited. And the power that's available to you is massive. And so today, I would like to read a story, a true passage from the early church found in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 23, that highlights the, the fact that when we pray and, and we've allowed the Holy Spirit to be a part of our life, we're pressing into Jesus every day of our life. When we commit ourselves to following Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in us, and we're pressing in every day. It's just not a one-time event where we ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior of our life, and then we just kind of go on and tip our hat to Him every once in a while. We go to church. Maybe we read our Bible on every, every so often. Like, when we truly do what we see in the early church and, and throughout history of the church, when we press in every day to God, to His Word, to talking to Him, to surrounding ourselves with people who build us up and encourage us in our walk with Jesus, when we do that to the best of our ability where we're at in life, we see what we will read in this passage today. And so let me begin by just reading this passage. Uh, this passage is on the heels of, of something very powerful that happened. The early church was, was founded by the disciples, right? The people who walked with Jesus, the 11 disciples that were left, and then they added one more to replace Judas, if you know the story. And, and they went around and they established Christians everywhere they went. And as they were going, God, because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, much like you and I have that ability, they were able to do exactly what Jesus did. They healed a lame man. They were healing people as they went. And then they backed it up with teaching, just like Jesus. So they would heal, and they would teach, and they would draw people into the kingdom of God and save them and establish a, a, a amazing, amazing number of Christians wherever they went. You're talking thousands of people in a day would come to faith in Jesus as the disciples went. And that same spirit is available for you today, by the way. And so as they went, they were doing all these miracles. Well, it got them in trouble, just like it got Jesus in trouble, right? Like, when you pick up the book of Acts, it's like as if you're reading the Gospels, just minus Jesus in there, and the disciples are now picking up where Jesus left off. And so they were healing, they were, they were teaching powerful messages that were just absolutely confounding the religious elites of the day. And then they would get in trouble. They would be sent to jail. And so this, this passage that we're about to read is on the, the heels of the disciples just getting out of jail. 
But when they were let out of jail, because they were put in there with false accusations and with nothing that, that the people could stand upon, right? So they finally got released, but the religious elite, the authorities said, you must not continue to do what you're doing. Stop it or else. Not that they had a whole else they could do other than falsely accuse them and, and falsely imprison them again, right? And so this is the response of the early church in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. After they were released, they went to their own people, that is, the Christians now, the early church, and reported everything the chief priests and elders had said to them. So they just gave it all there. We were told, if you do this, you're going to get in trouble, boys. So when they heard this, all the believers that were there, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant. So now they're quoting scripture from the Psalms, right? Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against the Messiah, right? So they are going back to Scripture and say, this has been happening for years, God. So they're praying and they're using Scripture to support it. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, so this is everybody, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats. And grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness, right? Give us strength. Give us boldness. While you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus, when they prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Now let me ask you, before we unpack this passage, would you like your prayer life to resemble what we just read. I can probably guess anybody listening to this message would say, I absolutely want my prayers to move mountains. That's what they were asking for. God, you do the impossible. You rise up and you do a mighty work. And God did it. Did exactly what they asked for. Now, they weren't asking for shiny new cars or for a job or anything like that. They were asking for God to do what God wanted to do anyway, right? And that is to build his kingdom, to do a mighty work on this earth. But that same power is available for us today. When we line up with what God wants, he wants to move. He wants to enter in through the power of the Holy Spirit into your prayers. And so today, let's just first talk about why do we pray, right? I know that some of this is borderline basic, but we're not going to get into the really basic stuff today, but why do you pray? That's a question we must ask ourselves, right? We want God to move, but then we got to ask ourselves, why am I praying? What is the motive? In our passage today, we, we understand that there was a need, right? They were warned, 
don't speak about God ever again or else. Right? There was a need. There was a natural need. Right? What did they do? They raised their voices. There was a need, and so they asked God. They simply asked. They asked for God to move. They talked to him. There was no special formula. There was no going through a, 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 a statue. There was no rote words that we have to say that, that we must do this and then do this and then do that and then God will grant us our request. They simply lifted their voice to God. They asked him. Right? There was a need and they asked him. Now, James, who was Jesus' half-brother and most likely was in this group at this time because he was there, right? Like, he was with Jesus in his ministry, and then he continued to be with the disciples as they went out. He wrote this in his own book, the book of James, in chapter 5, verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should Pretty basic, pretty straightforward. Friend, if you are going through a difficulty today, pray. Ask God to reveal his will for you. What is it that he's doing in this situation? He didn't cause hardship. He allowed it. And so now we must say, God, what do you want to do that is for my good through it, right? That's what he promises. He works everything out for our good. He doesn't cause the hardship he doesn't cause the difficulty though he could if he so chose but he's a good god and he wants good things he is also a holy and just god that won't allow evil in his presence and so he's working things out for good so that we can have a relationship with him and so we must step back and say god what what can you do in this situation that will bring us to a better place both me and you and me and those around me. Simply ask. Going through hardship, you should pray. Prayer should be your first response before anything else. Before you go to your expert on Facebook or, or on a Google search or on the phone with your friend, even counseling, as good as it is, first go to God. Give him the first fruits, if you will. Give him that first 10% of your time, of your, of, your, of your inquiry. Go to him first. Seek him. He deserves first place. And then what is the content of your prayer? Right? What, what, what is, obviously, as I already said, there, there's no... There's no A plus B plus C equals D, right? There's, there's no set way that you have to go to God to pray, to talk to Him. But I do believe that in, in our passage especially, there was two main aspects that the Holy Spirit used to really do a powerful work through them and in them. And that was praise and petition let's read the first part of their prayer they said master right god jesus 
Holy Spirit, you are the one who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything, and we're worshiping you. You're like awesome, right? When you mention those kinds of things, you're saying, God, you're all powerful. You are awesome. I submit to you, right? That's in essence what they're saying. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and why do people plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand, rulers assemble together against the Lord, against his Messiah. They're like, I don't know why people are trying to come against you, <laughs> right? All these people are telling us to stop doing what we're doing. Why don't they understand? It's futile. You are God. You are strong. And then they go on and they say, by, by Herod and the Gentiles and Israel, they, they came against your holy servant Jesus. But now, right, they gave God all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. And then they stepped back and said, but now, here's our need. God, you are awesome. We worship you. We give you the glory. But God, we have a need. We, we have a need. We've done amazing things. We're doing what you asked us to do. But we're praying for boldness. We're praying for strength. We're praying that we don't back down doing the good that you are doing through us. The words that we're speaking that are changing lives. The people we touch that are getting healed. We need boldness and strength to keep doing. We need your Holy Spirit to empower us. I love how we read in, in Philippians 4, 6. Now, 4, 6 through 8 is powerful, but just 4, 6 itself Paul says, don't worry about anything, right? Stop ruminating. Stop thinking over and over. Stop, stop trying to, to find all the answers. Listen, instead, pray about everything. And then here's, here's the beautiful part. This is what we just said and what was so beautifully portrayed in our, our story today. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Tell him what you need. Thank him for what he's already done. Give him glory. Give him praise. Honor him. And so when you go to God in prayer, understand that there's no, no right or wrong way of going to him. Just honor him, love him, and make your request known and ask him, how how can we get to where I'm right with you and I'm right with people? That's what he's looking for. He wants you to be right with him and he wants you to be right with people. Not that they like you or, or think you're a great person or whatever. Like that, that's not the, the point of this. This is that you are right with them in your spirit. That you've done everything you can. That you represent Jesus to them. They're not going to always love you. But like we read in the book of Acts, there is no reason for them to say anything ill against you other than the fact they hate your Jesus. And that's all you can do. So how about the, the context? Where, how, when? Why? You know, we've got the why because <laughs> We need God to move. 
But what about the context? Again, prayer is available anytime or anywhere. So often we think that we have to be maybe in the church or maybe in a quiet room, uh, maybe in our prayer closet, some people call it, uh, maybe, maybe outside where there's nobody else and we can just be focused. But notice in this passage, like the moment the disciples came to these new believers, they were in a big crowd in an open space, right? That's, that's, that was that day and time. There was open spaces everywhere. When they prayed, people heard, right? We think of prayer as this individual time where we're just quiet before God, and, and that's a great thing, right? Jesus did that. He, he went to have quiet time with God, and that's very, very important. But we also must understand that prayer isn't just for one specific space, in one specific way. Prayer is anywhere at any time. And often when we read in the book of Acts, it's in a large group, right? That's exactly what we read. When they heard what happened, this is verse 24, they raised their voice together to God and said, together to God. This was a massive group. And they all raised their voice and they started to pray. I'm sure for most people that were walking by as they heard them, they're like, what is going on in there? There's voices saying all sorts of things, saying, God, you're awesome. God, we love you. God, you've done all this stuff. God, we need your help. We, we want to do your will, but there's this massive roadblock in front of us. How are we going to do this, right? Like there was all these voices all at once just going off to God. And of course, God hears every single one of our prayers and he can handle it. And so they lifted their voices together and they prayed. There is power in praying together. I can't emphasize this enough, and I think in our individualized world that we live in, and especially in America, we, we forget because we get so, so individualized, so focused on ourselves that we forget that when we come together in prayer, it builds us. We were built to be social beings. And when we take ourselves out of that, that social network of praying, we limit. We limit that power that's available to us and what it does inside of us and it boldens us and it strengthens us. The enemy wants to isolate you and throw you in a closet and make you pray all by yourself. Not that those prayers aren't powerful and that doesn't build you up, but it's so easy to get this feeling that you're alone you're not alone right that was this that was the one thing if you remember the story of elijah and if you haven't i encourage you to go back in your old testament and read read from the book of kings and understand that that is what caused elijah depression he heard the queen was angry at him and he thought he was going to die because of her though he just <laughs> took on hundreds and hundreds of false prophets and proved God is bigger when he heard that the queen was after him he looked around and he saw nobody with him and he bailed he ran he was scared he felt alone and he was alone because he removed himself and God came to him and he said I have hundreds of prophets around here what are you so afraid of You've got me and you've got others who have not bowed their knee to a false god. Get back up. 
it's time to go. And there's so much to that story, but I'll stop myself because it is one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible because it's so, it's such a, a powerful example of what we in America are going through today. Isolation, putting yourself in a corner and feeling like you're alone. All that does is get you afraid. It puts your guard up, makes you lash out at people. But when you can surround yourself with people and you are praying together, there is something that just, it just builds up your faith and encourages you when you hear other people believing for things that you're believing for. And you're like, I'm not alone. This person wants that. That person's looking for that too. That, we're, we're together on this. We want God to move. Even if you have different perspectives, the heart of it is you want God to move. You want God to get the glory. You want all things to work out for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You want that. And together, you are reminded that you're not alone. That God is for you, not against you. You hear those things. It builds you up. There is something about group prayer. It is it is humiliating that sometimes because you're like, oh man, I have to be honest, I have to be vulnerable, I have to be open. And it's humbling. You have to take a little slice of humble pie and say, I need prayer for this. Uh, I'm not in a good place. And you have people lifting up. Man, that unity, that power, that belief, that expectation that God will move so good and then the outcome of prayer <laughs> what is the outcome now in our passage today i mean this is so good right like we get to the end of it when they had prayed the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak the word of god boldly i've read of of instances in history and even today where this exact same thing is happening, where, where it's like a physical shaking that God is just so moving powerfully that you can feel it. That is the power of group prayer. And I want to encourage you, that is the Holy Spirit moving. It's not a scary thing. It's not something where people are like, oh my gosh, this is the wrath of God coming down and hates you know everything that's not of God. This is a good thing. The Holy Spirit is good. I think of the, the lion and the witch in the wardrobe, the, the move of Aslan, you know. It's a good thing. It's a warm thing, right? He's a, he's a good lion. It's also a just lion, but it's good. He isn't out to harm. He's out for our good. God wants to move the same way in your life. God wants to move. And I encourage you today, as we are speaking about the Holy Spirit and prayer, to press into God, to allow him to speak in and through you. Spend time alone with him. Ask him the hard questions. Thank him for what he's done. And expect him to move. Expect him to move. I just want to. I want to read this passage from Hebrews eleven six for you. This is something that's just been in my spirit for a long time. And it says, 
We come to God in faith knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. I love that thought. Right? That's in the middle of the heroes of faith chapter about faith. Go to God. Give him glory. Believe that he is real, that he rewards those who passionately seek him. Passionately seek him. Go all in. Surround yourself with people who encourage you and pray with you and, and, and want to expect him to move again because God wants to move. God wants to move. And much like we read throughout the book of Acts, and we'll cover this again in a few weeks when we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's involvement in that, I want to encourage you that there is, a, there is a spiritual language. Now, we believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but we also believe that, that there is a, a tongues that is for your personal use. And I just want to tap into that just for one minute because I believe that for some people, there is a power that's available there for them. And it doesn't make sense, right? Because it goes so far uh, out of our natural tendency, right? The supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, it, it doesn't make sense. Because it's supernatural. We, we're natural, right? We're natural beings with a spirit inside of us that's hard to understand. It doesn't cross over very well in our minds. It's hard to perceive or conceive of what that is. But when we press in and we expect God to move, much like we see in the book of Acts, there is a gift of the Spirit of God that is given in a powerful way that comes out in what we call a tongue or a, a prayer language that we don't understand. And God uses that prayer language to do things sometimes that we aren't naturally able to perceive ourselves. Let me read to you a passage that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 14, 15 that hopefully will clarify this a little bit for you. He says, well then, what shall we do? I will pray in the Spirit. I will also pray in words. Right, what I was talking about before, typically prayer is a, a understanding of a need that we know we have or somebody else has that we bring to God, Right? So, I will also pray in words, I understand, is what that's covering. But he also says, I will pray in the Spirit. That is something that we don't know what to pray for, right? Like, that is, that is beyond our natural. The Spirit is supernatural. It's beyond the natural ability of what we understand. So, Paul's talking about two things here. I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words, I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, right? Then he talks about singing in the Spirit, right? That's, a, that's kind of just a joyful, exuberant, spiritual song. And I also sing in words, I understand. So Paul's talking about singing and praying in a language that both he understands and doesn't understand. And he goes into this very much in depth through uh, 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Corinthians 12 as well, if you want to read into it. We'll talk about it again, like I said, in a few weeks when we talk about spirit baptism. But for today, there is, when you're pressing in, and, and I just want to encourage you in this, because sometimes when you're praying, you get to the point where you're just like overwhelmed with this connection with God. It comes out in a way that you don't quite understand. 
And that's your prayer language. That's not a scary thing. It's not something that's, that's, you know, for another time. It was only for the book of Acts, right? This is for us today. Paul talks about it at great length. And I want to encourage you just to to be pressing in, to be expecting God. And don't be scared if he starts speaking in your life in supernatural ways that, that doesn't make sense. Just keep trusting him, knowing that he's good and he wants good for you. And be obedient. That's the thing I want to end with. When you're pressing into God in prayer, you're expecting him to move. You're doing it in groups. You're doing it in personal time. It, it, when you're getting to that point where it's just becoming part of your life, God is going to start speaking to you. Again, it might not be in an audible way that you can literally hear but there's a, there's a sense in your spirit that God is speaking to you. Be open to it. Don't shut it off. Because when we shut off the voice of God, we shut off the communication. Our cell phone coverage gets dropped. Don't shut out God when he speaks to you those, those things that maybe are sensitive to you and you don't want to do. Be obedient. Say, I trust you, God. I don't know how that's going to work. I'm scared, but I'm going to trust you. Trust is so important. And so, Father, I pray. I just, as I, as I said that last word, Father, I'm just sensing that there are people right now who are, maybe that's their issue. It's trust. I just ask by the power of the Holy Spirit right now that you will start softening that trust muscle inside of them. Maybe that's been the key this whole time to why they don't pray because you spoke to them, maybe in the past, maybe even right now you're reminding them and they don't want to obey because it's too scary. I pray that they would trust you again and that they would say yes even though it's scary, hard, or maybe it seems impossible, they would say yes. They would take that first step of just saying yes. That you would move in their heart and their mind. That you would start reopening that communication line with them again today. God, you care about them. You are good. But God, you are a just God that requires our obedience. And so I pray you give them the power of the Holy Spirit to obey that they, wouldn't, that they wouldn't put up that shell anymore. They'd walk towards you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If we can help you in any way in your walk with Jesus, please reach out to us either on Facebook through Messenger at Nexus Church, amen, or you can reach out to us uh, and email us, nexuschurchmn at gmail.com. And we'd love to help you in any way we can to connect with Jesus. We'll see you again real soon.